So, so far during this Advent season, we have discussed hope, peace, and joy. Uh, Today, we're going to discuss the greatest of the gifts that was given to us during this season, and that's love. Now, agape love, the love of God, to be distinguished from feelings of romance or emotional feeling. Uh, This is the highest form of love that we as humans can experience. It's the love of a very good and gracious God for his fallen creation. And this love inspired the one and only God to send his one and only son to this earth so that you and I could experience that love, yes, but also to experience a restoration and uh, a, a reconnection with God that had been lost. Now, all of this is with the hope that by experiencing that love, the love of Christ, that we would reflect that love to the world around us. And to be frank, as sometimes as Christians, we aren't great at that. But especially in this season, it's something that we all need to be able to do. And so we're going to be looking at love today, and we're looking specifically about uh, the love that Jesus has for us. And the first thing we need to know about Jesus' love is this. It fulfills the law. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. In John 13, 34 and 35, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, a new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. This, by this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. Now these verses seem pretty straightforward and in a way they are, but this is one of those passages where we really benefit from doing a deep dive into the word choice in the original scriptures. And so we're going to do a little bit of that today um, because I think, honestly, it's important for us. And two, uh, hopefully you're like me and you find it pretty interesting because there's some profound insights that can only be offered by doing a deep dive like this into the word choice. And so if we look at the first word in the passage that we're going to discuss, new, a new command I give to you. Now, the Greek word used here is a word that's pronounced kainon, okay? It's not to be confused with the other Greek word that can sometimes be used for the word new, neon. Now, the first that is used in this passage is used to describe a new and improved way, right? So Jesus is offering a new and improved explanation of the commandments. It's not talking about or expressing an age, right? The second, the uh, neon talks about age. This is a new thing for us. Jesus isn't here to offer us something brand new that's never been in the world before. He's not changing the way that God had expressed his commands in the past. He's just offering a new and fresh explanation for how we as followers of God can follow and obey the commands that God has put in our life. And in fact, Jesus confirms this, Matthew 5, 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Okay, so we see here in this passage that this new command, it's just Jesus re-explaining the commands that God has already given us. Hey guys, if you just love one another, okay, if you just love one another, that's gonna take care of everything else. I don't know about you, but we kind of do this in life sometimes, right? So I was younger and my mom would want me to like clean my room and she'd go through the whole list. You know, do the, you know, you wash your sheets and then make your bed and then dust everything and then this, this, this. And eventually I'd look at her and be like, huh? And she'd just go, you know what? Just clean your room. Here's a simplified, easier way to put it. Everything that's required that I'm asking for, that I'm looking for is summed up in this one command for you to just clean your room. So Jesus coming and saying, hey, just love others as you love yourself isn't saying all those rest of those commands, they don't matter. The thou shall not steal, thou shall not kill, thou shall not, all, right? The Ten Commandments. This is just Jesus saying, if we just look at these things, it can be summed up 
by one thing. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And if we look at the second word, the word that's used for command, I give you a new command. The word there is singular, right? Why is that important? Because it's talking about the entirety of the law, the entirety of the law. The entire thing can be summed up in this one act of us loving our neighbors as we love ourselves. This isn't, again, Jesus expressing something that has never been expressed before. It's just Jesus kind of summarizing it in a new and fresh way. And I think that sometimes as Christians, we get so wrapped up in all the little details of our day-to-day life, the intricacies that go into our relationships, and we forget that it just can all be simplified by this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, my neighbor's gay. Doesn't matter. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, my neighbor's a Democrat, or my neighbor's a Republican. Doesn't matter. Love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? Or my neighbor is awful, and they dumped their leaves over on my side of the fence, and I saw them uh, dumping trash in my trash can, and they called the police because my lights were a disturbance to them sleeping. And like, doesn't matter. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's so many things that we can get wrapped up in and, and, and look at and that we can allow to confuse and, and, and misshape the way that we're supposed to work with the world around us. And it can all be simplified in one thing. Love your neighbor as yourself. It doesn't matter what they've done. Okay? It doesn't matter what the world does. It just matters what we do. We must love others like Jesus has loved us. Okay? We must love others with the same love that Christ loves us with goes on to say in this passage, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. See, Christ loved us. Now, this isn't a comparison, as I have loved you. It's not love others like I love you or love others similarly to how I love you or love others in a way that, you know, kind of makes you feel like you would love them like I do. This is an exact um, love of Christ. So the word as there, in the Greek, if it had been a comparison, love similarly or love like Jesus, it would have been a completely different word. But no, the word used talks about us, talks to us and tells us to love others with the exact love of Christ. To a T, it is supposed to be the perfect, identical love of Christ. We're supposed to love others the exact same way that Jesus has loved us. I don't know about you, but I'm not great at that. Right? I'm really good at loving people who love me or loving people who I think deserve it or loving people who haven't been too frustrating. Uh, but, you know, I teach all day long in a, in a special needs classroom and guys, kids will wear on you. And there's only so many times you can repeat an instruction before they say, huh, and you almost lose your mind. Uh, the other day I'm in class and I'm giving this assignment and we go through the whole thing and they're all attentively watching and I give the instructions and I say, does everybody understand? This is the last thing I say before I expect them to start working. And they know this. Does everybody understand? That, yeah, we understand. And so then I go to my desk and I sit down and I start taking attendance or doing whatever else I'm supposed to be doing. And all of their hands shoot up. I said, let me guess. You all have the same question. What are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right? So there are times like that where it's, man, I, don't, I want to love that person. Right? But... Uh, it doesn't really matter about the way that our life is going or the things that are happening. None of that is supposed to affect the way that we love because we are supposed to love like Jesus. And what exactly does that mean? What does it mean to love others identical to a T 
right? More than a reflection, it's a realization of Jesus' love. What does it mean to love others like Jesus? Well, there's a late 1800, early 1900 Christian author and pastor, and his name was J.R. Miller. Uh, And this is one of his quotes. He says, as he loves us, he would have us love others. We say men are not worthy of such friendships. True, they are not. But neither are we worthy of Christ's wondrous love for us. But Christ loves us, not according to our worthiness, but according to the riches of his own loving heart. So should it be with our giving of friendship, not as a person deserves, but after the measure of our own character. I'm going to say that again. So should it be with the giving of our friendship, not as the person deserves, but, a, but after the measure of our own character. See, our ability to love others has a direct correlation with our connection to Christ. The deeper that we are rooted in Christ, the easier love grows out from us. And we are supposed to love others, okay, not based off of what they deserve or what we deserve or what someone else might deserve. We're supposed to love others because that's what's in our heart. As Christians, if we adopt the character of Christ, if we adopt the the loving attitude of Christ, if we want to be Christ-like, if we fulfill this command like it's supposed to be fulfilled, to love others exactly like Jesus does, we can't afford to dish that out based off of what we think others may or may not deserve. You hear me on that? It's not about what others may or may not deserve. It's not about what they did to you. It's not about what they said behind your back. It's not about them dumping leaves over into your yard. Okay, it's, it's not about any of those things. In the end, love is all about what is inside of us. And it's about our character. Will I choose to love because that's what I want to put out into the world? Will I choose to love because that's the person that I want to be? That's what I want to be known for, for being a loving individual. And I'm going to love regardless of what I think people deserve because that's what I should do. It sounds nice. In fact, it sounds just like Jesus. That's exactly what you're supposed to be. It's exactly what I'm supposed to be. But guys, it's real hard to not want to stab somebody who has wronged you. I say that figuratively. I hope. Right? It's real hard to not want to get that person back that has wronged you. And hey, they might even deserve that. But again, it's not about what they deserve. We should dole out our friendship. We should dole out our love. We should be Christ-like to others, not because they deserve it or they don't deserve it, but because our character, our heart, reflects that of Christ and wants to love regardless. Why is that so important? And I'll tell you why. Because our love to others is our greatest witness. Our love to others is our greatest witness. Verse 35 in our first passage. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, this has been one of those things that 
for me this week was kind of this profound discovery. It's kind of like I always knew it was there, but somebody opened the jar and I'm able to grasp it now. People are going to know that we belong to Christ by the way that we live our lives, by the way that we love others. People will know you are a Christian if you love one another. And it's one of those things that I had to kind of look at myself and say, would people know that I'm a Christian based on how I treat all of those around me? Would there be any question about that? Would they be surprised? You know, I'm going to admit something that I don't know if I should admit or not because I've never known what to make out of it, but people are always surprised to learn that I'm a pastor. Always. Um, I understand the people from my past who were surprised that I'm a pastor because my past, we've been over this, was like not the church-going type. That would be the last person that somebody would look at and say, that kid was going to be a pastor. But now today, you know... I know that I'm not perfect. I know that I'm not where I'm supposed to be, but I know how far I've come and, and how much things have improved as far as my character and my desire to do right and my love for Christ and, and my, my want to, to follow his teaching and his, his commands. And, and honestly, I do have that desire to be, like I've talked about, a loving person who loves regardless of what people deserve. And I feel like I've made great strides towards that. But people are always surprised to learn that I'm a pastor. I don't know why that is. And I've always secretly wondered if there is some flaw in my character that has caused that. This is me kind of like getting undressed on stage. It's pretty uh, nerve-wracking. I don't know why I started down this road. I wish I hadn't. But um, I'll be honest, I, I've always wondered about that. Why are people always so shocked to learn that I'm a pastor? I've always kind of thought maybe it's because I have a sense of humor and I laugh and I, I joke around and I'm not like this super serious stonewalled person all the time, but I don't know if that's the case or if it's people like, oh, that guy's a pastor? Well, he's not very nice or he's not very loving or he doesn't remind me of other Christians that I know. Or, and so there's that aspect to it too. And... <clears throat> I hope it's not the latter. I don't think it's the latter. But I'll say this. I would love to live my life in a way, even if that meant giving up parts of my sense of humor or saying some of the things that I find funny that everybody laughs at, but maybe give that opinion that uh, I'm not a pastor. I don't, I don't know. Like I would rather give those things up and I would rather change the way that I am to never have someone question that I belong to Jesus. I would much rather live my life in a way that would cement for others that I am a child of the king than to get a few laughs here and there along the road. And I don't know. And the reason I share this is because I think it's my job to be open and to be honest with you because I would say that some of you probably go through that same struggle of the day-to-day, -day, am I doing the right, am I doing wrong, and what does that mean? I know that for much of my early life, I pushed people away from God. I was the worst kid in the youth group, right, that made others not want to be a part of the youth group. And I'm ashamed of that. 
And I wish that I wasn't that person, right? And I'll crack a joke at the expense of someone else because I think it's funny or, hey, it may even be funny, but it doesn't mean that it's not offensive. And I just think that it's more important for our love to be our greatest witness because what we put out in the world is how others will know us. And so I didn't really intend to go down that road, but you know, we, we dive deep into so many things and we want to be evangelistic and we want to be discipling and we want to spread the word and we want to bring people into the family of God and we focus on all these big ideas and these new ways to do it and I think, it, honestly, it just all comes down to love. You want to be evangelistic? Love everyone that you come across. You want to make God proud? Love others, no matter what. You want others to experience what you have experienced in Christ? Love them like Christ has loved you. Help them experience love without condition, without payment, without reciprocity. Love just because you can love. Love because that's an, an ability that we all have. Love because at our core, that's what we are supposed to do. We are supposed to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And if we aren't loving, then there's no way that we can accomplish that task. John Calvin, a very famous theologian, stated that whatever a person may be like, we must still love them because we love God. C.S. Lewis stated do not waste your time bothering whether you love your neighbor. Act as if you did. Do not waste your time bothering whether or not you love your neighbor. Just act as if you did. Doesn't matter about our feelings. Doesn't matter about our pride. It doesn't matter on whether or not they've improved our lives or done something for us. You love them anyways because you love God. Because that's what God tells us to do. And because this season of Christmas, we celebrate all because God loved us so much. An undeserving creation. A fallen creation. A creation who chose sin over harmony with God. He loved us so much that he sent his baby into the world. His child. I would not do that. I would never lay my child's happiness, life, well-being on the line for any of you for any reason. Sorry, I love you, but I wouldn't do it. But God did. And Jesus, sitting at the th on a throne at the right hand of the Father, decided, you know what? I will leave this place. I will go to the earth. I will become a carpenter and a teacher. I will rely on others for my own well-being. And I will devote my entire life to God, all because of one thing, love. All because of that one thing, love. There's no better way to further the kingdom of God than to love those who don't know him. There's no better way to leave a mark on this world than to leave a legacy of love behind you. It's the best possible thing that you or I could ever hope to do. Because in the end, Jesus was born out of his love for the world. 
that didn't deserve the gift that he was bringing them. And it didn't matter that they didn't deserve it. He loved them, one, because he loved God, two, because of the innate worth that was placed in us by being creations of God. I leave you with this, that the best way to spread Christmas cheer is loving like Jesus all who are near. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now. I thank you for this day and I thank you for this season that God should be summarized all by one thing, love. And I pray that you make us people who love the world around us, not because we can somehow benefit from that, but because that's just what we're supposed to do. Because you, God, have called us to be loving people. Because you, God, have called us to love without condition, to love without reciprocity, to love without payment, to love just because that is what should be in our hearts. And as a reflection of our own character, God, we can look at the world and see how much we have loved those around us. Christian or not, that still stands. That we can measure our own character at how we have loved the world around us. Lord, this is a season that it becomes easy to make it all about ourselves, but also it becomes really easy to make it all about our kids or our family or those around us because this type of season just facilitates that. Because yes, we're celebrating you, but we're also focused on giving to others. And so it's really easy in this season to feel like maybe we're accomplishing this task, but I think it's also really easy in this season to see how we're really bad at it maybe the rest of the year too. Lord, help us to treat every day like Christmas. Help us to treat every season like Christmas, to, to love because that's what we're supposed to do, to help others because we can, to spread joy and peace and hope because that's what we have in you all because you loved us more than we could ever possibly deserve. Help us to be people who desire, who cling to the love that you have shown us and want to spread that love out into the world around us. Jesus, we thank you for all the wonderful gifts that you have blessed us with. Thank you. Amen.